had the most amazing conversation in jail the other day. I wasn't in jail. I was preaching in jail, by the way. <laughs> and I walked in, and, uh, and I was asked to do, you know, we've been going there for years, and our guys go. I, I, just, you know, I did this whole prison tour for, this, for the Department of Corrections in Georgia where I toured all the prisons in Georgia and did all these. It was, it was fun. I really had a two years, I think I did it. And I went to all these prisons. There's so many prisons in this, in this state. I'm telling you, it was amazing. But this was a really unique encounter the other day. So I walked in, and I spoke. We spoke in a dorm. There's about 75 guys in there. And uh, they set up everything, and our team set it up. And I, I went in, and, I, and they, it was great. It was a wonderful, and a wonderful moment. And I taught on this, on the theme that's coming up, building a better you. And because I've taught a lot in prisons, I understand these aren't Bible people necessarily. Some of them are. Some prisons, they're really Bible people. Believe me, you go to jail, sometimes you really love the Bible after that. <laughs> but I just felt like these guys just needed to talk about how to have a better life. So I went in with this intent to just talk to them. A little bit of Bible verses, but not a whole lot. Didn't have an altar call at the end. I just wanted to win them. So I went around and I shook everybody's hand, about 30 or 40 of them I could get to before I started. And a lot of them know me from television and they've seen me around and whatever. And so they were really, hey, how you doing, Pastor Rick? And it was, it was really nice. And, but then at the end, after I finished, right, a guy comes in the line. They line up, you know, and they shake my hand. Everybody's shaking my hand. And this one guy stopped and he looked at me and he said, and I, but I, I summarized it in the notes for you. So you can read the, the whole summary of what we said in the notes. But he said, you need to work on the content of your sermons. I said, really? <laughs> this is a, you know, you just greet and move. You're not supposed to talk, but he greets, pauses, and says, you need to work on the content of your sermons. He said, your sermon sounds like a self-help sermon. He said, you're not, you're not. It's not self-help. It's the blood of Jesus. It's the cross. And he went on and gave me a little theological lesson, and he moved on. So I'm kind of standing there thinking, do I want to get in a confrontation in here? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not the moment that he know what I'm saying. You know, for all kinds of technical reasons. You know, he's in here for some reason, you know what I'm saying? So, so, <laughs> so, so he kind of, you know, he walk, goes by. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, and, you know, and I have an answer, but I didn't have time to give an answer. You know, sometimes you just have to be quiet. But I thought about it. And I, and I summarize this in more detail in, in, in the notes you can read it later. But I, and I said, he's got two things wrong. One thing he's got right. You are saved by grace. It is the work of Jesus in your life that changes you. It is the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the fruit in the Greek, it really says, and it shows what's called a genitive case in Greek. Who cares, right? But anyway, so if this is a tree, right, and then the fruit come off the tree, it is the fruit of the tree, right? It came from the tree. It shows possession. It belongs to the tree. You didn't create it. The tree created it. So it's the fruit of the Spirit. Guess who did it? The Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit working in your life. That's how you change. I get that. I get that. But he forgot something really important. It's not just God's responsibility. And plus, I thought to myself, if you know all that, why are you here? That's what I'm thinking. I'm trying to figure out why are you preaching to the preacher and you're in jail, dude. You're locked in here. You can't get out. <laughs> but it was a good moment for me because I thought, boy, he missed it. Here's what he missed. He missed the fact 
that there is, there's more to it than faith. It's faith in action. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Faith in action. What turns more people off about church is you're not what you appear to be. Would anybody be surprised if they saw you in here? Let me say, I have people, we, on, we were on TV every day for years, and now we switched to the Internet, we're doing all this other stuff. But we were on, and people would say, my God, they used to be on, it used to be on what, every morning and, and, and throughout, anyway, a lot. And people would say, oh, my God, Pastor Rick, I saw Johnny in your church. If he go to church, I know God's real. <laughs> I know God's real. <laughs> so I, I realized that a lot of people are discouraged because they don't see the link between what you say and what you do. They really don't see it. And they pay attention. They watch you. I, 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 I tease about how people follow me around sometimes in the store. It's hilarious. And, they'll just, and one lady says, I said, I said well, hi, ma'am, how are you? I just wanted to watch you for a while. See if you're real or not. I said, well, is, is picking up groceries? You can tell I'm not trying to. But, but there is a desire in the heart of people mm-hmm. to meet somebody who's not phony. Right. One of the sermons I got coming up is called, I can't wait, it's called Flaky. <laughs> and it really means to be unreliable. Mm-hmm. You, you, we're, we're not reliable. There's something wrong when our lives are not consistent. So here's what I want to do. Take you down to the book. Ready? James chapter 2. I want to show you four things today. I want to show you how to put your faith in action. After all these conversations you've had this year, after all the things we've talked about this year, here's what you need to do. You ready? Number one. Do something. Everybody say that with me, please. Come on. Yeah, do something. Second thing you need to do is, Come on, say, be something. be something. Don't just talk. All these conversations you've had all year long, all these sermons, all these notes. Look, I, you can't, I, I did my best. So now you've got to do something, be something. And here's the big deal. Say, understand something. Understand. Some things you just need to understand. And then you've got to re- say, remember something. Yes. James chapter 2, verse 14 is a fascinating conversation because this is where James comments on a doctrine that Paul is taught about being saved by grace. That there's something about understanding I can't save myself if I'm drowning and don't know how to swim. That's what salvation is about. I come to Christ and I say, look, I cannot stop my behavior. I can't change myself. And so if you're not careful, you'll assume that there's, there's, there's no responsibility you have in this whole process. And there are a lot of people who think that way. But there comes a moment when you can't just know theological truths and Bible facts. You have to do something. The guy who came up to me in prison, in jail, didn't do something right. Now, I know people go there and there, some people are innocent, but let's be honest, a lot are not. James 2 challenges us, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, in chapter 2, verse 14, or number one of your notes, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing, 
does nothing about the physical needs. Does nothing. One more time. Does nothing about the physical needs. What good is he? What good is it? What do you do? What do you do? And please notice he's not talking about what you do for you. This is not, this verse has nothing to do about with, with you for a minute. It's about what you do for someone else. This church has zero value. I want to be clear about this. Zero value if we exist for ourselves. If our whole purpose in being here is to come hear some guy talk and do a bunch of fancy stuff, it's just a waste. Let me, let me help you with this. Jesus did not have a worship team. Jesus did not have a building. Jesus did not have a big church. He had 12 people following him around. Most of the sermons you hear in the Bible, he was talking to 12 people. He had a few big crowds a few times. Most of the time it was small groups. There was no organ. There was no piano. There was no guitar. There was no fancy cameras. There was no lights. There was none of this. Our concept of serving God has completely been created by church. This is not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't, they didn't do it like this. Well, now we're going to have a word from Jesus. And Jesus got up after the disciples led them in worship. No. If I cut all of that out, I'm not. I'm not. Because somebody said, yeah, he said he's going to kill all that. No. I'm just simply saying, this helps us facilitate a message. But this is not the message. This is a tool to communicate a message. Repeat that with me, please. Come and say, this is a tool, is a tool. to communicate a message. And it, it varies. It varies. Some guys are so focused on the tools and the stuff, they forgot the message. And they don't do anything. Who cares that you're saved? I'm saved. Good. Okay. You go home and tell the whole family you're saved, but you still cuss everybody out when you're mad. Who cares that you're saved? Let me say it again. Who cares that you know the Bible? You're quoting all your verses and you whipping everybody down. People say, pass me the bread. You say, well, Jesus is the bread of life. Nobody asks you that. Just give me the bread. Nobody asks you for a sermon. This is just keep it simple. You're late to work. Don't say the devil made. Don't hear about the devil. You're late all the time, Christian person. You don't make deadlines. See, I want you to understand. There's something about doing something. That communicates message. And here's what he says in verse 17 of chapter 2 of James. In the same way, faith by itself, if it does not, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. It means absolutely nothing to people. If every single time you call down to the light company, I know you have trouble. I know people have challenges. Oh, God, I get it. I'm not making fun of anybody having an economic issue. I'm just simply saying, why is it that every week they know you? Every month. And, and it's, it's almost like we live in this cycle of do nothing. Our do is broken. Our song is strong. Our worship is strong. But our do is broken. And when you get really close up on us, this is what's scary. We're not what we look like. Here's what he said in verse 18 of chapter 2 of James. Someone will will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. He's talking about being something. 
being a Christian is not quoting Bible verses. Being a Christian is not about you looking holy, whatever that means. I wish it was as simple as you wearing certain clothing and talking a certain way. I, I'm amazed when people find out what I do. Sometimes I don't want to tell them because they start talking funny, you know. You know using Bible verses and hallelujahs and all that. And, you know, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It just, it just, people don't. If I was not a church person. So when I, when I would hear you do that, I think something was wrong with you. I didn't make the connection that this was a spiritual moment. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't clear to me. Why, why can't you just answer my question? Do something, be something, and I love this, understand something. Verse 19. You believe, and there is one, you believe that there is one God, but understand this. Even demons believe. Do you? I, I just think that verse pauses all of my arrogance. Believing is not enough. You need to understand that. You need to understand that just because you're a believer and you, you said Jesus died on the cross, he rose from the dead, and he was born in virgin birth and all that, that's great stuff. But if it doesn't connect into a being experience, if all it is is words, who cares? And let me just tell you this. As a person who wasn't a church person, who didn't go to church at all as a kid, I didn't care what you did in here. If you didn't come find me, I didn't care. You can build any cathedral you want. You can do anything you want. But it didn't, it didn't affect me because I walked right past you with my basketball and my boombox. And you didn't speak to me. It didn't matter to me. And so it, you have to understand, being was important to me. You're going into a new year. You've had a lot of conversations all year with me. What have you become? What have you become? He closes with this amazing simple thought. Verse 20. He uses a strong word. He said, you foolish person. That's tough. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Strong word. It's useless. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? If you don't know the story, Abraham was challenged by God to offer up his son. It was, it was not something he intended for him to do, but he wanted to make sure he put his God before his son. It's a message for all parents. What do you believe? What do your deeds say? He wanted them to remember something. It does. It's useless. It's useless. Your faith and actions have to work together. You got to remember that every day. I try to remember that. I try to remember because I get so caught up in this world of what I do. If I'm not careful, it's about the sermons. It's about the service. It's about, you know what I'm saying? And I will forget. And that's foolish for me to forget. What's happening in our culture is everything is changing. We need more Abrahams. We need more people who are willing 
to do and be and change, who are willing to leave their old life and believe for a better life. I love this guy. He's, he's, he waited for 24 years and three months to have a baby. That's the kind of person I need to be. That's a guy whose faith and works blended together. I need to be like Rahab. Remember her story. She was the woman who helped the spies when Israel came to the promised land. She helped hide them. She left everything she had. And she decided, I want to go that way. Her faith and her works joined together and became part of her life. So for you, have you crossed that bridge? Or are you just a wonderful church person who's come to church all of your life, but you haven't done anything to really change? Now I want to close with this. Our church has a decision to make. I have a decision to make. We have four things that we say we do in our church. Say them with me, please. We what? Evangelize. What else we do? Educate, elevate, and embrace. Now, evangelize to some people means we go out and we book people. And we tell them, do you know Jesus? Are you, you know, and that, that's, that's, our, that's our, our first thing we, we think that means. Really, it's more about reaching people. I understand we have to share the gospel with them, but I understand my first priority is to reach people. Can you practice that? Reach your hands out. Come on. Reach people. Here's a question. No, reach out. Reach out. When, who have you reached this year? Name a person. Name somebody you've reached. I didn't say preach to. I didn't say give them a Bible whipping. Reached. Our goal is to teach people. I didn't say lecture people. Every time they see you as a sermon and a Bible whipping. Thirdly, we help people grow. That's what Elevate's about. Who have you helped grow this year? How about making it a point in your practice, in your life, to help somebody grow? Lastly, I love this. We embrace, we serve people. Every time we adopt a school, we adopted two schools this year, and we, we helped about 10 plus. I love it. There are thousands of kids who are blessed because of your resources. Let me say it again. We have no right to exist if our faith doesn't move to action. We have no right to exist. We have no right to ask God for another dollar or another, another day. We, we do not have a right to exist. And I want you to think about this. What makes my life matter, Ricky Temple, the man, not the preacher guy, is that I am reaching people, teaching people, serving people. He said, in my private life, outside of here, outside of what I do in here, when those young men stopped me in the street, say, Pastor Rick, one guy stopped me the other day. He says, you know, he said, because, because of you. I'm on this job. Because of you, I'm out. I'm not in trouble. Because of you. And it's in those moments. I said, well, let me give you my number. Watch this. This is me reaching people. You ready? Here's my number. Give me a call. Let me take you out to lunch. Reaching people. Teaching people. It's not giving them Bible verses all the time. It's, what are you working on? How's your money? How's your finances? It's helping them sign up for school. We've done that so much. Oh, my God. Our church is amazing. Helping students go through the process. Helping older people go back to school. 
reaching people, teaching people, serving people. If we're gonna, if we, if we're gonna last, that's where we need to go. But in order to do that, here's a little hint: we can't be fragile. Which is next Sunday's sermon. Some of us want to make a difference. We want to build a new life, but we're too fragile. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about why so many people are so easily broken. You want to build a better you. You want to have a better life. But everything gets to you. Everything shuts you down. Everything stops you. When I was, um, I, I, I was uh, training, don't be impressed with that. Uh, that's so I can keep people off me, but I was kind of, training a little bit and and the guy he, he, he we did this ground fighting thing and so he he threw he, he, he threw me down and then he held me and he says temple you you, you got to learn to fight on the ground too <laughs> it's not always standing up are you so fragile that when you fall down you can't get up a disappointment a death i lost my mom okay i'm the only child i could give a story I've lost loved ones. Are you so fragile that you can't, you, 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 you're never going to really build a better you because you're so fragile? Everything gets to you. Everything breaks. Everything, everything. Here's the question. How can, how can God help you if you're nervous with $40,000 in debt and he can't give you a million dollars then, right? If he loves you, he probably will hold back the blessing. Maybe we should pray this prayer. You ready? Join me in this prayer. Because they're already scared. They're all <laughs> one bad thought. One book. You know, sometimes in the battle, you can't, you know. lead to toughness. Come on, church. That's a good point. Come on. In this year, a lot of the Bible All the things that we to a new year. On the margin of that you could never use do something. Don't you understand how to be broke people? You've been broke for a minute. You, 
than once. Thank you very much. Now, I said you're a professional. Lord, help us pause. to look at models and say we have we need to and so now one more time hands lifted we an open mind willing to change willing to be different believing that we will build a better us in the coming year. With your help and your grace, we're going to do our part. We're not going to just pray and wait for you to do it. If we need more money, we're going to look for ways to improve our income. If we're physically out of shape, we're going to exercise. If we're depressed, we're going to seek counsel. Whatever we need to do to change our circumstances. If we've not been obedient, we're going to sit down with ourselves and have that conversation. This is my life. You gave us individual lives. And Lord God, it is our responsibility to not just put this all on you. We must put our faith in action. And we believe we'll get there. In Jesus' name. Now, hands down one, one more time. Lord, I pray for people today in this room and those who are watching from home who would say, I need a change. I need Jesus in my life. That's my do something today. My do something is to say, honestly, before God, I have not been serving you. But pastor, today, I want you to pray for me. Right there in your seat, if you're saying that you want to end this year starting a walk with God, you may be a good person. You may have done a lot right in your life. But you know there's one thing you need to do, and that's truly commit your life to God. If you're here, whether you're here or you're home, I want you right now raise your hand if you're here. Say, pray for me, Pastor. I see you. Do I see anybody? I see you. Who else do I see? Where are you at? Let me see you. I see the two of you. Anybody else? I see the two, two of you. Anybody else? Do I see you? Thank you. I see anybody else? I see you, my sister. I see you, my brother. Anybody else? Father, I pray for all those who raise their hands and many. I see you, my sister, and those who raise their hearts. May this be the moment that they say, I acknowledge I need to walk with God. And this could be the changing of a new beginning of a new life. Would you would you pray this prayer out loud with me, please? Say, Lord, I come to you.